You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Days of Our Lives, Part 7 of 7. Enjoy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We're not interested in playing religion or playing church. We're interested in experiencing you, in tasting you every day, in in experiencing all that you are every day of our lives. That's why we're here. We open our ears to you, Holy Spirit. We're not here to hear a man preach. We're here to fellowship with you. We've been singing and worshiping you. We've, we've given to you our finances. We're here to, to grow in our relationship with you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to quicken us now. That we would, we would receive everything that you have for us in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to conclude our series entitled The Days of Our Lives. And we've been focusing on this amazing reality that God's path for your life is a path that gets brighter and brighter and more brighter and more brighter. Gets brighter continually. It's Proverbs 4.18. It says, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever or which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. That's the plan that God has for you. Don't let the devil talk you into being disqualified, saying that you're not righteous, that you don't qualify for God's blessings in your life. The reality is none of us qualify. Okay, none of us qualify. Jesus qualified us through his sacrifice. It's because of what Jesus did that we have been washed clean. So the righteousness we have is by faith in the finished work of Christ, not by our perfect performance. It's so important to understand that. There's much confusion about that in in people's minds. The righteousness that we're talking about is not because we're goody-two-shoes right? Doing everything perfect every day. It's a righteousness that comes by faith in who Christ is, what he did for us, and who we are in him. Those are the three elements of relationship that we focus on at Highway Church. Who Christ is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. It's his performance that gives us this righteousness, not ours. All right? And because of that, it's through faith in Christ that our paths get brighter and brighter. Isn't that awesome? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that all of us, all of us who've put our faith in Christ, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, that we're changed from glory to glory, from glory to more glory from strength to more strength by beholding Him, by keeping our minds stayed on Him. We grow in strength. We become more strong than we... So tomorrow, if you keep your mind stayed on Him today, tomorrow you will be stronger than you are today. Isn't that great? If you keep your mind, if you behold Him, 
Keep your heart stayed on him. Worship him. Don't let the devil tell you that, 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 that God doesn't love you or that you don't qualify or you've made too many mistakes. Don't listen to that. He loves you. He gave his son for you. And all that you have to do for your path to get brighter is call on him. Put your faith in Jesus. Walk with him. Keep your mind stayed on him. Develop that relationship with him. So we learned last Sunday in part six, this is part seven of seven, bring it to a close today, we learned that the word of God in our mouth precedes the glory of God in our lives, that our battle belongs to the Lord. Do you believe that God wants to solve your problems? Psalm 138 verse 8 says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Wow. Do you have anything that concerns you? I don't have to know. I can just guess. I'm sure you do. You're living on the same planet I'm living on, right? Third rock from the sun. Sure, there are things that concern us. Things don't go the way they should, right? Issues, things happen. Well, if anything concerns you, God wants to fix that in your life. Anything. What a comfort that is. And he will if you'll just trust him. You'll just let him be God in your life. Let him do it. Sometimes we try and do it in our own strength, and it doesn't work out, and we get mad at him. Yeah. But we didn't let him do it, right? We say, we, we say yeah, God, we, we know you want to do this, but I've got this, right? Let God do it. Let God be God in your life. Your problems belong to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we looked at something very powerful in 2 Chronicles 20. We saw that, that, that King Jehoshaphat, And the people of Judah, the tribe of Judah, had a very significant problem. They had enemies come against them that far outnumbered them. They couldn't beat them. But instead of panicking, instead of staying in the natural and trying to figure out what they could do, it says they turned their face to the Lord. They turned their face to seek the Lord. They realized that if this was going to be solved, if they were going to have victory in this situation, they needed to look to him, to behold him. And as they did, God gave them a promise. And they grabbed the hold of that promise, and they began to worship God for the fulfillment of it. And if you didn't hear last week's message, please download the podcast. You don't even have to download it. You just listen to it right online from your mobile device. Go to highwaychurch.us. Click on either the iTunes button or the podcast button. If you have iTunes, you can do it through iTunes. Or you can just listen to it right from our server. Okay? And they, be, they went out in the morning. Nothing had changed. Their enemy was not, did, not get, uh, did not change their mind, did not shrink. Nothing in the natural changed. The only thing that changed is, is they turned their face to the Lord. Have you done that? Or are you looking to God in a number of other places? See, they turned their face to the Lord, not to the Lord and to to the scribes of the day, to the wise men of the day. They turned their face to the Lord. Many believers are turning their face to the Lord and to what so-and-so says in their book, right, and to this person. And they're missing out on the power of God in their lives. So they went out in the morning and they began to worship God. They're going into battle, but God told them, the battle belongs to me. You're not going to have to fight it. And they put their worship team in front, and they just began to worship God. That must have looked crazy to their enemy. That must have looked ridiculous. 
there they are, an enemy that ready to tear them apart. And they're standing there ready, and here they come. God, you're worthy of our praise, and we magnify your name, O oh Lord. And what happened? The Spirit of God moved, and their enemies turned on each other and tore themselves apart. They never, Judah never fired a shot. Isn't that awesome? The battle belongs to you. When you, when you turn your face to seek the Lord, to, 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 to receive what He's promised you, and when you put the praise of God in your mouth, you free God up in your life to go to work on your behalf. Praise is a very powerful thing. It has nothing to do with religion. We, we open our services with, with song. And you don't have to have song to worship God, but we do that because music is a gift from the Lord. And we want to, we want to, it's a way that can kind of to go over the barriers of people's hearts. As you can sing a song and people will sing a song together and it kind of, it goes beyond those mental reasoning sometimes and the, the issues that people have and it gets to the heart and it can free people up. They'll sing begin to sing and put their trust in God simply because of music. But the Scriptures tell us that God inhabits the praises of His people. Yeah, God inhabits, He lives in the praises of His people. So how much praise is going on in your life? It's proportional to how much God is in control of your life. This might be the only time you sing, I don't know, or praise Him. What are you doing tomorrow? When you get up, well, I've got to go to work. I've got to do this. You've got, what about worshiping him for a little while before you do anything else? You know, if you have to wake up, take a shower first. It's my favorite thing to do first thing in the morning. Just spend, get alone literally in my closet. I'll close the door and I'll worship him. See, God lives in your praises. So if God inhabits the praises of his people, who do you think inhabits complaining and cursing? Not God, right? There are spirits that inhabit that, but not the right ones, right? Spirits of darkness want you to complain, want you to curse, want you to be upset, want you to think that it's not going to work out. But God inhabits the praise of his people. So we bless his name. Choose to say what God says about you when you get up in the morning. Choose to bless him by, by coming into agreement with what he says about you. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has a destiny for your life, that he wants to accomplish the things that concern you, that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that, that you don't have to be afraid. He's holding your right hand. He's with you. He's living in you. Begin to say these things. Satan's trying to put your light out, isn't he? Sure. He's trying to put your light out. He's trying to discourage you. But God has provided supernatural light that he can't put out, and that's through his promises. So through faith in the promises of God, our path gets brighter and brighter. We talked about last week, John 15, 7 and 8, abiding in him, right? staying in that place of constant, confident expectation that the promises of God are being fulfilled in your life daily, regardless of what it might look like. Dwelling in that reality, sitting down in Christ, sitting down through constant faith in His promises. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says that God raised us, excuse me, chapter 1, 
Think it is. God raised us up with Christ and seated us in him. So hallelujah. God is good. That was a little review of what we've done so far. Let's get into part seven. This is so good. I pray you receive every last drop of what God has for you this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making uh, your word alive in us, real to us this morning. I believe God wants to encourage you to stay in him even when it seems you're at your lowest point. Okay? To sit down in him, to worship him, to keep your confidence in him, even when it seems that you're at your lowest point. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. This is in the New Testament, the New Covenant. This is the covenant we have with God. We've looked at the Old Covenant a couple times last week. We're in the New Covenant, Romans chapter 5. And the week before that, we were in uh, Daniel. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. To stay in Him even when it seems you're at your lowest point. Romans chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 8. Let me say this. Even when things seem they're at their worst, in Christ you still have the devil licked. He's still defeated in your life. All right, verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. I, I used to make fun of the whole thing. I used to mock and, and abuse people who talked about Jesus, but he still died for me. Isn't that awesome? Verse 9, much more. How much? Much more. More. How much? much? Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So if when we were sinners, God loved us and saved us, how much more now that we've received his sacrifice? Much more. That's how much more. <laughs> For verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more. How much? Much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And Corinne, we encourage people to take off their religious glasses when they come to Highway Church, okay? This word saved has been religified. All right, it's a Greek word, S-O-Z-O, sozo. It means to be kept safe and sound. To be made whole, all right? To be, kept safe, to be kept safe and sound, to be delivered, to be protected, to be healed, to be preserved, to do well, to be made whole. That's the definition of the word, all right? So God, through the death of his son, has reconciled us to himself and that we should be made whole, that we should be kept in this world protected in this world, in the midst of the terrorism and the Ebola and everything else that's going on, that God wants to keep us safe. And that only comes through faith in that promise, through faith in Him, okay? He's got promises that will keep you safe in this world. And there are Christians who argue about this, and no, 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 we, you, can't, you, don't, you can't say that. Well, God says that. 
says that no harm or evil will ever befall you if you dwell in his shelter. See, there are huge benefits, not to religion, but to relationship with him, living in him, grabbing a hold of his promises first thing in the morning and not letting anything take those out of your heart. That's what we're talking about, okay? Verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have joy, you're missing out on the real Jesus, okay? Relationship with the real Jesus produces joy. That's why so many believers are crab apples, because they, they, they have a religion that they have a relationship with, and they're mad at people. And they're mad at themselves, and they and they're not they're not they don't have joy because they haven't put their they haven't realized that that, that Jesus is the reason that we're alive, and that it's through faith in Him, not through sacraments and tradition, that our lives are changed. Okay, so verse eleven, uh, we we join in God through Lord Jesus, by whom we have now received. We have now received the atonement. When did, when did we receive the atonement? We already received it, right? We have, we've got it, in other words. We've received who Christ is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. We've received it. All right, let's jump down to verse 17 for time's sake. This is very powerful. For if by one man's offense, who's that one man? Adam boy, right? For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. One translation says death seized the sovereignty. Love that. He stole. Satan used sin to steal from Adam what God gave him. Much more. How much? Much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So what do you need to reign? Two things. Tells us right there. What does it say? The abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness. You need those two things. How do you get them? By doing 873 good deeds every day. Faith in Christ, right? You can't earn them. You can't merit them. They're given to you through Christ by receiving them by faith. The abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, if you receive those two things, what's your life going to be like? You're going to reign in life. I think the Amplified says reign as kings in life. In the Scripture it says the Lord Jesus is the king of kings, right? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever wondered who the kings are that he's the king of? Those who put their faith in him. We, we, you, you, me, me. Yeah, right? Yeah. Those who are born again. Those who put their faith in what Christ has done. That's a powerful statement, reign in life. What do we need to reign over? Other people? No. Spirits of darkness, right? Satan and all his schemes. The spirits of darkness that are trying to put your light out. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, confusion, depression. God has provided the abundance of his grace 
and the gift of righteousness that we could put these things under our feet and reign as kings in life under the lordship of our king. Amen. Verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, we are all condemned through Adam boy's sin, right? Even so, by the righteousness of one, who's that one? Jesus. The free gift. Let's say that together. Free gift. Amen. The free gift. What is it? It's a free gift, right? Came upon all men. What's the result of it? Justification of life. I don't have to know anything about what you've done. I know that God has justified you through Christ. Regardless of how many sins you've committed, how many mistakes you've made, it's a free gift and it's available to you. All you've got to do is believe that. Isn't that amazing? Justification of life has come to everybody. All they've got to do is receive it. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did how much? Much more abound. God's grace is infinitely greater than your biggest mistake. Than your greatest sin. Infinitely greater. Sin pales compared to the grace of God. Not even close. Why did God do all this? That as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Even when things seem they're at their worst, you still have the victory. The devil is still defeated in your life. The grace of God is infinitely greater than anything that could ever come against you in this world. Isn't that awesome? So what we're doing is realizing that when God gave us Jesus, he gave us all things pertaining to life. He gave us everything we could ever desire that is good, that has to do with life. He gave us all things. Jesus is God's supply for you. He's not a religious icon. He's God's living supply for you. And he wants to be in a living relationship with you. Jesus is the door to the abundant life that he came to give you, that God has for you. He's the supply of God that never diminishes in your life. He's the cup that never runs dry. He's the vessel that continually flows with oil. Never runs dry. You can keep pouring and pouring and pouring, and it never runs dry. That's why our path gets brighter and brighter, because our supply never runs out. Anyone ever build a fire in your campfire? And you, put a, a, you have a fire, and if you just have one log on it, you've got a fire. It's burning. When you add more wood to the fire, what happens? It gets brighter, right? 
Well, if you have a continuous supply of wood, that fire will never go out. And if you continue to add more wood to it, it continues to get brighter. Well, the, the, the wood, the, the fuel in our lives that makes our lives brighter are the promises of God. When we put our faith in the promises of God, it's like putting a log on the fire of your life. So every morning when we get up, we put logs on the fire. We put our faith in the promises of God. And, and as we're going through the day, we keep throwing wood on there. God, thank you. You're, 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 you've gone before me and made the crooked places straight. You're working all things out for my good. You're accomplishing the things that concern me. Thank you, Lord God, that you give strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, you increase power, causing it to multiply and making it to abound. That's Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. So what am I doing? I'm putting fuel on the fire, and it's getting brighter. You've got you to feed the fire. Your fire won't burn automatically. You've got to feed it, and you feed it through speaking the Word of God, the promises of God with your mouth, and believing them in your heart, that they're true for you, that they're for you personally. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Our path gets brighter because our supply never runs out. It says, my God will supply. There's no question. This is a sure thing. All your needs according to what? His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I'm so glad that he supplies according to his riches and not mine and not yours because they never run out, right? We've got a supply that never runs out. 2 Corinthians verse uh, chapter 1, verse 20. And I hope you're, you're taking note of these scriptures. Write the references down. Put them in a, in a text to yourself. And then when you go home, man, get these promises inside of you so that you go through life like a bonfire, man, that nothing can come, come near. Nothing can, can put your light out. Nothing can discourage you. There you go. So you get up in the morning, man. You know, sickness tries to come your way. Not here, right? Depression. Not here. It just burns right up, right? Lack, right? For 2 Corinthians, I say 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? But what about the, the mistakes you've made? Don't those disqualify you? Come on. You're not all that good, you know. Well, what's it say? They are yes in who? In you or in Christ? And guess what? When you put your faith in Him, you're in Him. Right? Our lives are here with Christ in God. So they are yes in Christ. How many promises are yes in Christ? Every single one of them for you. Wow. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Wow, that's powerful. So every single promise, so I have made it a mission of mine to learn the promises of God. Absolutely. That is why I read the Bible. Not out of religious duty, not interested in getting a sticker on my uh, homework. I want to know what God has promised me. Because there's no other way I can experience him. It's through his promises that we experience his nature. There's no other way. 
So if you don't know the promises, you can't experience his nature. You can't live the bonfire life that he has for you. Okay? So don't think of the Bible as a religious book. Think of it as God's promises to you. And not everything in the Bible is a promise. There's, there's, there's accounts of people's lives, people who did crazy things, people who did horrible things, people who did good things, people who did not so good things. And, and we learn from that, but we focus on the promises in here. We mine, we dig this book. We unearth it to get those promises out. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Let's, now, now, two Sundays ago, talking about the promises, we looked at God's promise for protection. Remember that back in Daniel chapter 3? We saw th three young men who were fully committed to God, and they were threatened with execution by the king of the, the most powerful empire in their, in their day. Their nation was controlled by this nation. And he said, if, if you don't worship the God that I've created, I'm going to throw you guys into a burning, fiery furnace. And they said, King, if you throw us into the furnace, God, our God, will deliver us. Just like Philippians 14, he will supply. Right? If you don't throw us into the furnace, we still will not worship your God. They knew their God. They were confident and sure. Last week, we looked at God's promise for a victory in 2 Chronicles 20. Powerful time. Right now, we're going to bring this thing to a close by looking at God's promise for provision in your life. Okay? We're going to look at a woman whose supply seemingly had run out. And we're going to go back to, to 2 Kings to do it. So let's go back in the Old Covenant to 2 Kings. And remember, anytime you're reading in the Old Covenant, it is the Old Covenant. We're not under the Old Covenant anymore. Okay, we're in the New Covenant. Jesus has come. Every, we're living in the day that they long for. All right? Their covenant was based on the blood of bulls and goats. Right? On animals. Our covenant is based on the blood of Jesus. It, it, it cannot be erased. All right? Under the old covenant, if you, if, you, if you disobeyed, if you got outside of that, Satan had a right to bring you down. All right? He had the law to stick in your face. Under the new covenant, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For through the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we've been set free from the law of sin and death. Satan no longer has a right to stick the law in your face and tell you how bad you are. He doesn't have that right anymore. He did under the old covenant. doesn't have it now. You realize that, right? He does not have that right. In Christ, there's no condemnation for us. So back in 2 Kings chapter 4, all right, let's start reading in verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. So back in those days, there were school of prophets, all right, Elijah, Elisha. So he obviously knew her husband. Perhaps he was one of the prophets uh, or, or a minister of God in some way. And she says, you know my husband, you know he feared the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondsmen. All right, this woman is at, at a very low point, perhaps the lowest point of her life. Her husband is dead. And she's so deep in debt, 
she can't even begin to think about paying it back, that her creditors are coming to take her children and make, bring them into slavery. All right, she's at her lowest point. At least she had the sense enough to come to someone who had a relationship with God. All right, so Elisha says unto her in verse 2, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house, in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. That wasn't really true. See, when you get down, when you get discouraged, you can't see what you've got. You can't realize that there are things that you've already got that God can use to change your life because you get discouraged and you get depressed and the enemy will put pressure on you to, to try and blind you from what you have. All right? So she says, save a pot of oil, which in the natural, that's nothing. Right? It's probably olive oil. Big deal. Right? You can get that at, at Shaw's, right? Or Stop and Shop. Then said he... But this is the man of God talking. This is a guy who knows God. He knows that God is supernatural, Amen. right? See, we see Jesus in the Old Testament. So even though we're not under the Old Covenant, we learn a lot from the Old Covenant. We don't ignore it. We learn from it. There are types of Christ all throughout it, and here's one. See, Jesus, same thing happened in the ministry of Jesus. There are thousands of people that needed food. And they said, but all we've got is a few fish and some bread. It didn't matter. God took it, multiplied it, and thousands of people ate to their satisfaction with, with bunches left over. This is the same Jesus here. Then he said, go borrow the vessels. Get lots of vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. All right, so he's just given her instruction to go get some, as many empty containers as she can find. All right, so she went from him. She shut the door upon her. So the word of God has given her a word from the Lord. She's received it. She's acting on God's promise. Nothing's changed in the natural, has it? He didn't write her a check, right? He, did, he didn't give her a card. Didn't do anything. He told her, he, this, just do this, okay? She takes God at his word, right? Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like King Jehoshaphat and Judah, and she acts on it. She goes forth, she shuts the door upon her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. So she told her sons, she says, boys, go out and get as many empty vessels as you can find. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed or stopped. All right, so you understand what happened. They brought who knows how many vessels. We're going to see it was a lot here in a minute. And every, she had this little pot of oil. And every time, so imagine, you know, this little pot of oil, and they bring this vessel three feet high, you know, a foot and a half wide. And she... And this huge vessel is getting full, and this is not emptying at all. Amen. That's supernatural. Amen. So many believers are trying to serve God naturally. He's supernatural. Amen. He does supernatural things. And he wants to show his supernatural self to you. Yes. 
So she's pouring, one fills up. Bring me another one. Just keeps on going. And doesn't stop until they don't have any more vessels to pour into. Which means if they would have brought more vessels, guess what? It would have kept flowing. All right? Verse 7, then she came and told the man of God, and look what he says, go sell the oil and pay the debt. You got to know this is a massive debt, right? So she had enough oil to pay the debt, but how much does she have? Much more. You didn't forget that, did you? Right? She had much more. Pay the debt, and then what? Live her and what? And her children off of the rest. How much money did they make off this deal? <laughs> that they could pay their debt back in full and her and her children could live off the rest? How small people have made God. That's right. This is what he wants to do in your life yes. today. Thank you, Lord. Right now. If you'll just receive it right now. Now, what is the significance of this? Well, what is it about olive oil? You see, Jesus is right here in 2 Kings. In order to get olive oil, you need olives, right? And olives have to be crushed in an oil press so that the oil can be extracted from them. Turn in Isaiah chapter 53. Now would not be a good time to go to the bathroom. Just stick around. Isaiah chapter 53. So in order to have olive oil, you got to crush some olives in an oil press and extract the oil from it. If the olives don't get crushed, you've got no oil, you've got no provision. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will this is from the NIV, you can look right there, to crush him and cause him to suffer. How many have seen the movie The Passion of the Christ? That's a famous phrase. It wasn't actually in the Scriptures, but it's, a, it's called The Passion of the Christ. Another word, from Gethsemane to the cross. Religions kind of coined that as the passion of the Christ, the suffering of the Christ. When Isaiah 53.10, it says, it was the Lord's will to crush him. Who's him? Jesus, right? To crush Jesus and cause him to suffer. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Why would God want to crush his own son? Because he loves you. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Anyone know what that word means in the Greek? oil press. He went to the oil press. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And it was from this moment on that things got very dark for Jesus, where he allowed Satan to come in and torture him. And you get a little taste of that in the, in the Mel Gibson movie, to torture him, to crush him, but the worst crushing was not on the cross. It was afterwards when he descended into hell and God, his own father, turned his back on him for three days and, and, and poured out the wrath of his judgment for your sins and mine 
upon his son for three days. And what happened? He was crushed. Gethsemane, oil press. Why was he crushed? God crushed his son so that every last drop of the life, the health, the strength, the wisdom, the victory, the provision that you need that was in him could flow out of him into you. Just like those pots of oil. He's the cup that never runs dry. And regardless of how many vessels you need to be full, Jesus is the one who will fill them if you'll put your trust in him. He was crushed so that the life that was in him could be in you. God extracted every last bit of that resurrection life, of that Jesus life, until the third day. He said, now it's time to fill the pots of the men and women of the earth. And he did it through Jesus. Isaiah 53, our last scripture, verses 4 and 5. Surely, this is out of the King James. You can read it up there. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with the stripes, and with his stripes, we are healed. The widow put her faith in the word of God. John 1.1 says Jesus is the word of God. Faith in Jesus causes the supply of God to flow endlessly in your life. The path of our lives gets brighter and brighter because we have put our work in the finished work, the oil press of God, Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for the precious oil of your matchless Son that flows freely in our lives. We thank you, Lord God, that Jesus is the cup that never runs dry, that you crushed him for us, that you allowed him to go through a crushing so that every bit of life that was in him would be extracted from him and given to us. And Father, we receive every bit of it right now by faith, knowing that regardless of what debt we might have, regardless of what situation is staring at us in the face, we have got the limitless supply of Jesus Christ available and flowing in our lives. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Even when things seem to be at their worst, you've still got the victory in Christ. Let the endless supply of God's provision flow in your life by worshiping Him for the fulfillment of each and every one of His promises. In Jesus' name, amen.